us as we worship God in Christ Jesus at Lord of Hosts International Church as Henry Young, the General Overseer of Lord of Hosts International Churches, ministers to you in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord forever. Seated, God bless you. Give your neighbor a high five and say welcome to God's presence. No better place to be today than here because God is here. God is here and I know it. Amen. Amen. I think you will join me. Let me save time. But let us give God glory for his preservation and for his deliverance on Friday. Let's stand on our feet and give Jesus a clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Thank you for your preservation. To you be glory and honor. To you be thanksgiving and adoration. In Jesus' mighty name, we have given thanks. Amen. You've heard the testimony from mommy. It was a horrible experience. But I thank God for his mercies. Thank God for his mercies. Praise God. God delivered us. God delivered us. God delivered us. Like you heard, some people, those that could pray were praying. Those that, I don't know what to say, don't know that prayer should be the answer. Were screaming. Those that were crying were crying. But I put my trust in the Lord and it came true for us. Amen. I pitied one woman that was sitting beside me with her son. Her son was, you know, God forbid, may that never be our portion. Where your child holds you and like, are we going to die? And you have no answer to that. So I looked at them and I said to them, don't worry, we will land. We will land in Jesus' name. The woman said, Amen. The boy was closing his eyes. A boy of about nine years old. You know? And I was asking the, the airline, I said, if the weather will make it that bad, why fly? Why don't you just say the weather is too bad to fly? But you know, their money won't let them. God have mercy. But we thank God for his mercies. We thank God for his grace. Amen. I'm alive and I'm well. And I'm going to be around for a very long time. By the grace of God. So let the devil go and sleep. Amen. I want to read a scripture. I want to read a scripture. Before I go to the message, we are talking about God's kingdom culture. You know, a thought came to my mind this morning as I was praying. And all of us here will know that. So, but somehow we've not been able to apply it to our faith. In your place where you come from, when somebody breaks tradition, what do they call it? Speak, let me hear. What do they call it? Abomination. In my place, they'll say, hello. 
abomination. Thoughts were coming to my heart and one of them is it's an abomination before God to break kingdom culture. But many Christians are in trouble because they break kingdom culture daily and think there's no problem. The second thought that came to my mind, you would want to wonder, in a country like Nigeria, where there are two major frontline religions, Islam and Christianity, why has Islam dominated the power and money space? Because Muslims entrench their religion into their daily culture. Their religion is their culture. Many Christians, we have our cultures differently from our faith. And I began to have this understanding that until the kingdom culture becomes your personal daily culture, the space you can dominate is very limited. Because it's not a battle of persons, it's a battle of kingdoms. So when you go against or you are in competition with other groups of persons who are fighting for their kingdom and you are fighting for yourself, you will never win the battle. Individuals don't win kingdoms. It's individual versus individual. It's kingdom versus kingdom. And until you carry God's kingdom culture, there's a limit to how much God can fight for you. Because he's not sure you won't betray him even when he gives you what you're looking for. So this matter of God's kingdom culture is becoming more serious than we knew from the beginning. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. Remember I said before, many, many months ago, when Nigerian Christians were crying that the Islamic fundamentalists want to start um, Islamic banks. I asked the question, are there no Christians rich enough to come together and form Christian banks? There are. I know a few of them. I know some pastors that can single-handedly start a bank. But we will rather prefer to make it a personal bank than a Christian bank. Because we have been deceived. I'm not talking of Lord of us. I'm talking of the body of Christ generally. In fact, our case here is a bit better. Because of the quality of insight that God has given us. The body of Christ has been deceived to become so individualized. And it's a huge problem. I wish God can help us solve it. Yeah. I'm not hearing anybody. Yeah. Muslims carry their faith as their culture into everything they do. Christians carry their Christianity to church. 
drop it in church, get home, do another thing, get to work, do another thing, get to business, do another thing, get to politics, do another thing. That's why we have 60 million or more Christians and we can influence nothing. Nothing. Because a Christian in Nigeria would rather vote for a Muslim who will give him contract than support a Christian who will pursue faith matter. That's if there is any. All right, let's read the scripture. Isaiah 66. There are instant changes I expect to see in my life, in your life, as far as you are a member of this church and as far as attending fellowship is concerned that I haven't seen. That's why I want to read the scripture I want to read. Are you with me? Let's read it together. I want to go. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is mine, is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things. Verse 2, please. Let's read verse 2 together. For all those things that my hand made. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look. Hold on. May you be the man that God will look. Who is that man? Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. And trembleth at my word. You want to get God's attention? Become a human being that when you hear God's word, say what you are doing is wrong. Change it immediately. So that you don't have problem with God. I don't understand how I'm sharing what I've been sharing for some weeks now. And some people have not improved in their attendance to fellowship. Wrong. If God speaks, move. something. Make a change. Make a switch. Change your mind. Because he is God. And the Bible says that's what earns you his attention. May God empower us to be so in Jesus name. Alright, we come back to the message. God's kingdom culture. We're dealing with the culture of fellowship and we're talking about the blessings of our fellowship. Number one, we said the fellowship makes grace readily available. Number two, the fellowship enriches our lives. Number three, the fellowship confirms the testimony of Christ in us. Number four, the fellowship helps you not to lack behind in spiritual gifts. Number five, the fellowship gives us staying power in waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did we go beyond there? 
Okay, number six, the fellowship helps you stay confirmed. We've talked about confirm the testimony of Christ, but it helps you stay confirmed until the end. First Corinthians chapter one and verse eight. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. I made a statement last Sunday that I think is so true. Fellowships are spiritual family meetings. How many of you know that witches go to Coven every night? The higher you go in the spiritual world, negative, the more frequently you must be in their meetings. So, as a believer, you should be able to cherish, expect, enjoy, appreciate, and use every opportunity for fellowship. Every opportunity for this family meeting. Because a lot that God has designed and ordained to happen in your life, according to his will, is tied to this. And I pray for you, may you never miss your destiny. That amen should be better if you know the meaning of that prayer. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end? Look at your and say, may Christ confirm you unto the end. That ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus. Verse 9. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. So we have read before that fellowship confirms us. Now, but this one is talking about confirming you unto the end. And what's the difference between the two? The difference between the two is that Jesus, Jesus confirms you as his own as long as you stay in the fellowship of his church. So if he confirmed you because you were in fellowship in 2019 and 2018 and 2020 and 2021 you are no more in fellowship your confirmation stops. Your confirmation stops. And this was why I said last Sunday so those who say church is in the heart are liars. There's nothing like that in the scripture. And what we are seeing now shows us that the fellowship is where Christ confirms. And I can understand that. Imagine if you are a father and you have a son that never attends family meetings. You call your children to a meeting and he tells you, I'm not coming. What are you doing? Nothing. I just don't feel like coming. Must I attend every meeting to show I'm a member of this family? What are you going to think as a father about that child? <laughs> Hello? What are you going to think as a father about that child? Certainly not positive. Hello? So all of the things the world, all of the things people who don't know God well, all of the things, things that are not picked from scriptures, ideas and thoughts and imaginations have informed us with about fellowship that is unscriptural. We have to purge our hearts of them. I don't know if I'm talking to people who want the word of God. We have to purge our hearts of them. We have to remove them from our heart because what is in your heart controls your action and your action determines your direction. And your direction determines your destination. That's why the Bible says, Be not conformed, but be ye transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. The Christian life is a consistent project of changing your mind about the way you thought, things you believe that you discover the scripture says it is not so anymore. Are you with me? Are you with me? Alright, so the fellowship confirms you to the end. Your confirmation is as you remain in fellowship. Your confirmation of Christ is as you remain in fellowship. Let me run because time is fast spent. Number eight, I suppose, right? Seven. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, number seven. The fellowship galvanizes your process of becoming blameless. Now we must understand something. We are not perfect does not mean we should stay imperfect. Ah, we are not perfect. That's a lamentable fact. It is a fact, but it is not something heaven celebrates. Because we are called unto perfection. Jesus did not mince words when he says, Be ye perfect as your heavenly father is what? So, we are not there, but we are called to be there. We desire to be there. I hope, I hope you do. I desire. I desire. I desire. I desire to be perfect because I know that there are consequences for every call that is not answered. Am I talking to anybody? Okay, now, but how are you going to be perfect is through the process of becoming blameless. And the Bible says, blamelessness is achieved through the act of fellowship. Mm. Mm. Look at that verse 8 again. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Do I still have your attention? Because I know very often when you talk about perfection, you lose people that are listening to you. Make this man leave this thing. Nobody is perfect. Why is he going to that angle? I have already agreed before that nobody is perfect. But I'm saying the Bible says, Be ye perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. And you must not hide under, We are not perfect to allow continuous decline in your spiritual life. Watch against that. Because that's one of the lies the devil tells us. Ah, nobody is perfect, so continue lying. Uh, nobody is perfect. So if you are in fornication, continue. Nobody is perfect after all. <laughs> Do you understand? Uh, nobody is perfect. So continue beating your wife. And but nobody is perfect is a statement of fact that heaven laments about. It's not a recommended standard for living. It's a lamentable fact about human situation and condition. Now there's a call to come out of that situation and start striving towards perfection. That's why you don't have time to add another weakness to an already existing weakness in your life. Because time is too short. You ought to be working on how to conquer the next weakness. You don't have time. 
to say, well, I can add a little steel into my line. <laughs> because there's no time. You ought, okay, I've conquered anger. Now let me face lies and deal with it. I conquer lies this year or next year or next year. So now let me face lust and get it out of my system. I conquer lust, okay. I now have to deal with envy. Envy cannot continue in my heart. You have to have a project all the time of the next spiritual height you want to hit. Many times we are too busy looking for the next economic height. We don't remember the spiritual. And we forget that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Look at the scripture we read. God said all those things, are, 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 they are mine. They've been there. But this is the man I'm looking for. This is the man I'll give attention. The one that trembles at my word. That's why it marvels me that believers change church because a message was preached that touches the area of their weakness. If I were you, I would run away from a church where I've attended for two years and they've not touched my weakness with any message. I will run. Because the church is supposed to be the ground and the pillar of truth. Not a place to pet men to, to hell. And his word is a dishonor. I see that all the time. People run away from our church. Some will tell the truth. Some will not tell the truth. They say it's tight that is pushing me away. <laughs> One woman said to us some time ago, they went to visit her. She stopped coming to church. She said, you know, every time when I come to church, instead of them to just encourage somebody, they'll be, talk, they'll be talking about this tight thing. They said that the word we do, I say, stop following her up. Oh, yes. If you don't want to change, I've tried my best. <laughs> Sometimes when they tell me this one has changed church, I say, no problem. I've tried for four years. Make him go another place, make another pastor try to. <laughs> Maybe another pastor can succeed where I fail. But let him change at the end of the day. But if the reason for that kind of runaway is because a message pricked your heart, the person is not wise. Why do you think they wanted to stone Jesus? He was telling them sweet things. He was telling them things that were pricking their heart. He was making them feel guilty and ashamed of themselves. That's why they want to stone him. <laughs> Praise God. Even when he managed to preach about blessing, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. You don't like that. Say, what is wrong with this man? Hello. Okay, let's get back to the main thing. It is the fellowship that keeps processing us until you become blameless. A blameless level of Christian work is possible. Where you can look at your life and by the grace of God, there's nothing wanting. It's possible. It's there in the Bible. We are called unto it. And there's nothing God tells you to do that he does not give you the grace to. Now, let me balance this. Don't feel terrible that you haven't gotten there. Because everybody will not get there at the same time. Am I talking to you? The most important thing is have it in mind. Keep working on it. And keep using everything that God has made available to work on it. One of those things God has made available is fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. 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 Coming to church 
is one of the things with which God keeps working on you and pushing you towards blamelessness. This is why the devil fights coming to church. Of course, especially a church like this. If it's a church that is like functioning like um, an entertainment center, the devil has no problem with that. Oh no, he has no problem with that. You can be entertained, no problem. Most of the worldly entertainers, if they are not born again, they will go to hell. You meet them there. If you want their way. You can, you can, if it's a church where all they preach is prosperity and success, the devil has no problem. Your money doesn't threaten him. You are not richer than his children in the cult. What threatens the devil is a truth from God's word that will remove sin from man's nature. That's why churches like our church face unusual battles. Unusual. Anyway, unusual battle brings unusual victories. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> Some time ago, I was asking the Lord, why do certain things happen to me? The Lord asked me one day, whoever wrote a book on liberation from immoral sin? I was the first to write a book on that. You think the devil will be smiling and give you a handshake? Say thank you very much. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, blamelessness is attainable. But you need plenty fellowship. Say you need plenty fellowship. Plenty fellowship. Consistency in fellowship. Okay, let's make progress. Number what now? Number eight, fellowship is the key to developing the fear of God. Fellowship is the key to developing the fear of God. In fact, when it's in your power, listen carefully to me, when it's in your hand, it's in your power to be consistent in fellowship, but you refuse to be because you have other preferences. It shows you don't fear God. If any man you fear calls you to a meeting, summons you to a meeting, you will come. Many years ago, a pastor that used to submit to me was behaving very rascally. Very, very rascally. I don't want to go into the things he did. And I tried to reach him. He doesn't want to pick my call. And I called his wife. And he, he okay, no. When he saw my call coming in, he took his phone and smashed it. So I called his wife and his wife told me. And I said, okay, if he doesn't want to talk to me, tell him that I said, because they were having strife. I said, tell him that he said he's going to Benin for a program. I said, tell him that I cancel the program. He's not going. That if he cannot rule his own home, the Bible says he can't rule the church of God. What are you going to preach when your home is on fire? So I said, tell him that he should sit down, fix the crisis before he goes. He told his wife that he will not do that. He's going to be in. I said, tell him that if he goes in peace and come in peace, I will resign from preaching. If he goes in peace and come in peace, then I will know that God did not call me. I will not preach, bother myself to preach again. He sat down and started crying. He said, this man is wicked. <laughs> what did I do? Did I do anything? I just said, if you go in peace and come in peace, now, but why did he not make the journey? He didn't make the journey because he feared my statement. 
Why would God call you to a meeting and you won't come? You don't fear him. It's that simple. Come, I want to meet with my children. You say, Lord, I have something to do. You don't fear him. God understands when it's not in the power of your hand. But God also knows. How many of us know that our God is all-knowing? He knows when it's in the power of your hand. He knows when it's in the power of your hand and you refuse fellowship, you're taking God for granted. Let's read the scripture. Acts of the Apostles chapter 2 from verse 42. We're going to get a lot from that chapter. Acts 2.42. Can we read together? Everybody want to go. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship and fellowship and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. See the consequence in verse 43. Everybody read 43. One to go. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done. That's the, that's the ninth one. Once there is consistency, steadfastness, continuity in fellowship, the fear of God will develop. Do you know that even in ordinary life, when you interact with somebody for too long, too regularly, soft spot develops between you and the person. When you interact with somebody for too long. That's why in the Christian faith, we always advise brothers, don't get too close to a sister you're not married to and you're not related in the flesh. It's not, it's not legalism we're trying to practice. There are certain things in the nature of human beings. And one of those things is, if me and you start talking very often and we start seeing very often, likeness will develop. It's our nature. It's our nature. And so, as a, especially as a single person, if you start talking very closely, relating very closely, too often with somebody of the opposite sex, likeness will develop. And likeness, when there is likeness, it's easy for Satan to process it into lust. Because at that time, you will not be able to distinguish anymore. Lust functions like likeness. And it is not for nothing that the Bible said flee fornication or flee youthful loss. Who knows the meaning of flee? Run. Why does the scripture use run? Because you can't cuddle it and not fall into it. I see people deceive themselves all around. Say the girl is my best friend. We are not doing anything. If you are not doing anything very soon you will do. So not do again. It's my best friend, is my confidant. Everything about me, I tell her. You don't see woman. You're not good though. <laughs> As a lady that is single, if you're married, your spouse should be your best friend and your confidant. And also, if you're married, make it easy for your spouse to be your best friend. 
You know, some, some people make it difficult. I tell you something, you use it against me. I won't tell you next time. Huh? As my wife, I told you that God just blessed me with 60 million. You say, uh -huh. that land where I won't buy for my father in the village. That's the first thing you remember. Next time, if I have money, I'll just give you some and keep quiet. <laughs> Amen. Now, if your spouse makes it impossible, try to work on it. If it doesn't work, then maybe look for a pastor in the church of the same sex. Especially there are real spiritual matters you have to deal with the senior pastor. If the pastors can't handle it, they will tell me. But as a single person, don't go and take a brother and make your confidant. You are setting trap for yourself and for the person. And as a single sister, don't do the same. Are you with me? Pastor Jones called me one day many years ago. He said, sister came to his office and wanted counseling. And her descriptive power became too special. You understand? Where she buys her underwears and all that. I said, oh boy, transfer them to your wife immediately. No counsel again. No counsel again. Tell her and say, you see that aspect? Mommy is an expert in that side. Go and see her. There are things a man doesn't tell a woman apart from his wife. There are things a woman should not tell, tell a male apart from her husband. Hello? So, why did we go into that? Because I said, even naturally, when there is consistency of interaction, soft spots can develop. The same thing between you and God. When you have fellowship with God all the time, you start loving him more. And in the love of God, there is a healthy fear of God. How many of you know that in love, there is a healthy fear? Not tormenting fear. Perfect love casts out tormenting fear. But there is this thing about love that when you love somebody, you don't want to hurt the person. True or false? So as you love God deeper, you become more careful not to hurt God. But how does this fear develop? Fellowship. They were having fellowship. In the fellowship, what they were doing? They were breaking bread. They were praying. They were continuing the apostles' doctrine. Put, them, put verse 42 again. Put verse 42 again, please. Yes. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines. I need to pick this up. In the fellowship, everybody wasn't bringing his own doctrine for them to dissect. Because that's another problem with people in church in the 21st century. You have a pastor, but there's somebody in some corner giving you some other ideas. That's a strange culture. I'm preaching and somebody bend over to you. You say, my former church, not be so then they talk him. If you get members of any family, their DNA is the same. This thing the Bible calls the apostles' doctrines, where the doctrines Christ handed over to the apostles, and the apostles are now committing them to the people. If you are in a lot of hosts, 
The doctrines God gave me that I'm giving you is what is important. Not the one somebody has copied from somewhere. If the person like that or that doctrine, it should go there. Are we together? They continued the apostles' doctrines. Every time we fellowship, I drop a doctrine, isn't it? And in breaking of bread, we do that once a month. And then in prayer, every time we fellowship, we pray. And the Bible says the result of that in verse 43 is that fear of God will come upon us. How many of you want to live a life of the fear of God? I recommend consistent fellowship for you. They and see the two words the Bible uses steadfastly and continuity. They continue. Some people come to fellowship, but they are not steadfast in it. That's the problem. Some people come to fellowship, but they do not continue steadfastly. If we had time, we go for the Acts of the Apostles. You see, the Bible says it was daily. Daily, every day they had a meeting. It, that's why their life was church life. Once they close from work, they are heading to meeting. Once they close business, they are heading to church. Do you know that there are people in the world that do, do not miss a day in the bar where they hang out? Why is it a big deal to be in church two, three times a week? Why? There are people in the world, the moment they close work, you see that bar where they hang out, they cannot miss it for anything. No matter how much their wife quarrel, they will not. They say, you know I hang out with my friends after work. Pepper soup. And what? Meeting point. Are we together? That they are hanging out, they won't miss it. This is our own hanging out. Stop missing it. Stop missing it. Once a week is not good enough. It's not good enough. Twice a week is not good enough. We said three times. Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday. Do it three times. Do it three times. Praise God. It helps you develop the fear of God. Okay. They, they, they. And they continuing daily continuing daily in one accord where shout it let me hear where did they continue daily in the days of acts of the apostles every day was church monday church tuesday church wednesday church thursday church friday church saturday church sunday church monday church again daily Daily. That was why they had the measure of the fear of God they had. That was why they had the measure of miracles they had. The power available was enormous because they were in the engine room all the time. We have cut off too much already. Let's not cut off anymore. I remember when we stopped Tuesday hour of, play, of prayer in those days. One thing just made me stop it. People were not attending. And I'm the kind of person, I don't want to waste my time on something people don't want to do. Until the Lord let me know that removing prayer makes many things go wrong. 
Hello. All right, number what now? Number nine blessing is that it makes power available for signs and wonders. Makes power available for signs and wonders. That's verse 43. Put it again for us. 43. And fear came upon every soul. Ah, I can't depart from that phrase. I can't depart from that phrase. Fear came upon every soul. Fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Many wonders and signs. So how you attend fellowship can determine the power available for signs and wonders. I don't know all the reason it is so, but I suspect a few. Number one, God thinks, okay, you're taking me serious. I'm going to do serious things in your midst. Number two, I also know that as a pastor, there is something that gets stirred up in you when you see the people hungry. The most difficult place to minister as a pastor is to a people that are not hungry for God. It's extremely difficult. It's tough. It's not a matter of how anointed you are. Hello? Jesus went to his hometown and they were not hungry. They were not hungry. Some were skeptical about him. Some were analyzing him. Some were measuring him. Is this not the son of Joseph, the carpenter, who we know his mother and his father? Did all of us not grow up here? How, how does he do these things he's doing? Where did he get wisdom? And your Bible says, sorry sir, and your Bible says Jesus could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. Amen. Then in another scripture, the Bible says, and Jesus was in the synagogue teaching and the power of God was present to heal. He was in the synagogue doing what? Teaching and the power of God was present to heal. Fellowship. When we take fellowship serious, power comes down. I don't know if I talked to somebody. Let me say it again so that everybody can join and say the amen. When we take fellowship serious, power comes down. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. Number one, fear came upon all the souls. Number two, many signs and wonders. I pray that you will begin to experience daily signs and wonders. But it starts to correct your fellowship life. You know, I, I was telling mommy, I said, I don't know, but I don't take anything for granted. I told mommy, I said, you know the amazing thing is that since I started traveling on air, that Friday flight was the only one I didn't pray about it. Every time I travel, I take my time to pray because I know that the devil doesn't like me. <laughs> May God not give him opportunity. If he finds one, there's a human being the devil wants to kill on this earth. Is this man you're looking at? But Jesus will not allow him. But somehow I had a lot to do. So I had to leave early because I was determined to come back that Friday. So I didn't pray about the journey.
You know, sometimes God can be so good to you, you begin to take it for granted. But I have learned. Do you want to see signs and wonders? Then be steadfast in fellowship. Nothing discourages a pastor like he spends his time praying, fast, study, get ready to pour out and he gets to church and sees a few people. He will require to switch into another frequency in order to still deliver. Hello. I used to, I read about this late man of God, David Yongicho, when they started their ministry newly, when he comes to church, and there are very few, he will close his eyes. He will close his eyes to preach from beginning to the end. And people thought it was an act of being in the spirit. So they asked him, why do you close your eyes to preach? He said, because every time I see people few in church, I feel like not preaching. Some of you who stay away from church, you don't know what you do to our anointing. You dampen it. You bring it low. And we have to try and wind ourselves to push it up. That is why also it is your responsibility to make sure that in love and concern you reach out to other brothers and sisters who stay away from fellowship. Because their presence might just make power available for what you need. Why do you think when we have conventions and big programs, greater things happen? It may just be one of these. An attack on fellowship is an attack on signs and wonders. An attack on fellowship is an attack on the availability of power. May the Lord deliver us from every attack on fellowship. That amen is too weak for my liking. But in case this is put on TV, let me put a balance. That does not mean that pastors should now start doing unscriptural things to get fellowship filled. What we should do is teach as I'm doing. What we should do is reach out for souls as I'm doing. What we should do is tear up the church. Let every believer become a soul winner. Not other things, lower standards, shutting the service. Are you getting what I'm saying? Bring an entertainer and all of those things we do. We pollute the pulpit. We pollute the pulpit. Mommy was telling me something yesterday about a church where the pastor called Banky W to come and preach. But I understand the mind behind it because I've read some of those books that when you bring such celebrities, it's drawing people to church, but you pollute the pulpit. The ark of God is to be handled by sanctified priests. Not Uzzah. 
there's so much vandalization going on in the church. So much spiritual vandalization, destruction of spiritual pillars and principles. All for church growth. Church was meant to grow, but church was not meant to grow like that. Church was meant to grow by the preaching of the gospel. Church was meant to grow by the love believers share with one another. Church was meant to grow by the, by the, by the discipline of believers reaching out to the world. Can I hear you say amen? And church was meant to grow by the power of God. Not by games and gimmicks and wiles and caprices and devices. Not by keeping silent about sin. Number 10. Fellowship is key to unity among us. It's key to unity. And the unity of the church is very important to Christ. Hello? Did you hear what I said? The unity of the church is very important to Jesus. It's so important to him that while he was on earth, he prayed, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. Some people are too isolated in church. And hear this. If you want to survive as a Christian, don't be isolated in church. I'm talking to you from the knowledge of scriptures and from experience as a pastor. I don't know all the reasons some people resort to isolation, but I, I know a few. Some is either somebody is living in sin, and if it comes too close to other brothers, they will find out. Satan cannot destroy an open person. Be secretive about your sin and watch the devil finish you. Because the devil operates in secrecy. He can't stand light. Another reason some people isolate themselves is a carnal sense of class. Class consciousness. Why does that happen? Pride. If anything in you makes you feel I'm too big, I'm too fine, I'm too beautiful, I'm too handsome, I'm too well-dressed, I'm too connected to relate with other brothers in church. It is called pride. You know what the Bible says about pride? It goeth before you fall. You know what the Bible says about pride? For God resisted the proud. And give that grace to the humble. We're going to talk about the culture of humility. It's a core culture in this kingdom. In fact, it's so serious that the king of the kingdom said, Condescend to men of low estate. Be very big 
be very rich be very successful but when but here behave like you are nobody it pleases God that way are you with me then there are those who are isolated out of temperament that's their temperament that's their nature they are not just people who relate but that also is dangerous because the Christian race is not something you can run in isolation when people know you when you have true believers true brothers and true sisters that you relate with I'm not talking about hunters in church who are looking for a rich man to relate with to collect something I'm talking about people who came to serve God and they are looking for another person who came to serve God that they can relate with so that iron can sharpen iron because in this life there is, a, there is one day of madness for every human being Mm. there is always one day you will not be in top spiritual shape and just a call from that brother a call from that sister can help out the worst is when you get so isolated that even the pastor of the church doesn't know you how can I protect a sheep I don't know hello Put Zachariah for me. It's a little bit of digression, but let's let's do it. Zachariah chapter three, verse two. Look at the number and say, don't operate in isolation. That's why join the fellowships you find in church. Join them. Human beings are created as social beings. You are created to interact. You are created to associate. You are a married man. Join the men's fellowship. You are a married woman. Join the women's fellowship. You are a young person unmarried join the youth fellowship you are a teenager join the fiery stones am i talking to anybody if you can go for that join departments we are building blocks in the kingdom no block can stand on its own we are created in clusters and bunches we are meant to be together so we can thrive together glory to god and the lord said okay let me let's start from verse 1 please verse 1 read with me please everybody and he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord this is the high priest everybody say high priest senior pastor and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him may satan not find a place at your right hand may every satanic resistance around your life be broken in the name of jesus 
Verse 2. Read it with me, please. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that had chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Come on, read everybody. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? He was high priest. He had a big spiritual office. But Satan was able to resist him because he was or he has become a brand plucked out of the fire. What is the meaning of that scripture? Before you can make fire, the wood have to come together. Now, they, while they were together, they were burning for the Lord. But this very man was now separated from the other wood. Isolation. And that's how he found himself in a place that Satan can resist him, irrespective of his spiritual office. They say fire born father. He say what of him? If Satan can resist the high priest because he was plucked out of fellowship. <laughs> Anybody less than high priest is a chief, is a cheap meat. That is why the unity of the brethren is so important to Jesus. However, not in the sense in which some people emphasize it. Unity by permissiveness. Let's not talk about sin. Let's talk about love. Love mixed with sin is seduction. It's not love. The agape love of God is pure. Is clean. Let's go back to our main deal. Fellowship fosters unity. Did I hear a good amen there? Look at verse 44. Verse 44 of Acts chapter 2. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. Everybody say unity. You can't be in unity with the rest of the church if you are epileptic in service. And sometimes this seems to create administrative problems for us. You see some people who don't, who are not frequent in fellowship. They are not known by people. They do not relate with people in the church. And when something happens and let's say father died, grandmother died and they need attention and nobody wants to go, they slam it on the church. Say this church no get love. There is a way you will be known in the midst of the brethren. You will beg the crowd to reduce. Did you hear what I am saying? Life is about impact. Nobody gets attention by what you want to take from people. People get attention by what you want to give to people. The Bible says he that giveth gift has many friends. The other side, I didn't want to say the other side of that scripture. Can I manage? 
He said, but the poor is hated even of his own neighbor. Even when he pursues them with many words, yet they run. Now, nah, not be me right, Amo. Don't look at me like that. It was written before I was born. But God was giving you a guide to life. That if you want to have people rallying around you, be a giver. And giver here does not just mean money. Give your time for fellowship. Give relationship. Give call. Give care. Give concern. Give prayer. Can I hear you say amen? amen. A sister put to bed. Go and visit. Not to eat pepper soup. Just to visit. One woman told me one day, say, Pastor, why I'm not coming again is, I, I can't remember what she said. She said she delivered and church people did not come. I said, okay, since you've been in the church, how many women delivered? She said, I can't count. They used to announce them. I said, how many did you visit? He said, nobody. I said, what a man so wet, he shall also reap. Huh? You didn't visit other people and you're angry that they didn't visit you. Fellowship fosters unity. May God help us to be so united. That amen should be better than that. Let's read 46 and 47. Another blessing. 46, everybody. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. That's fellowship, right? Come on, that's fellowship, right? And breaking bread from house to house. Visitation. Come on, say visitation. And did eat their meat with gladness and, and singleness of heart. That is sincerity and joy. One heart. Singleness of heart. Sincere. Nobody wanted to take advantage of anybody. Everybody was sincere. Everybody was open. And it doesn't mean that they were perfect. It just means they were sincere. So if I have a fault, you know. And you are praying for me and helping me. Are you with me? God will help our generation. Because I don't really know how to apply this very one. You open your door to everybody in this generation. The next thing. <laughs> you know? But let's see the consequence. Verse 47. One, two, everybody. Praising God. And having what? Come on. Praising God and having what? Praising God and having what? Favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This kind of fellowship is responsible for favor. It brings God's people into a different realm of favor. Do you want favor in your life? I recommend fellowship. That amen should be better than that. I want to hear the amen louder. And then the Bible says, and the Lord added to the church. This is the actual method, biblical method of church growth. Daily fellowship, not reducing fellowship. So you see that our church in the, of, uh, the church in our generation is in a reverse gear. <laughs> Daily fellowship, singleness of heart, sincerity. Joy and excitement, unity in the church, the fear of God, the power of God, and addition was made. You know why? Because such atmosphere attracts any human being. Do you know that there are children that join cults because they are looking for where to belong? So why don't we create a sense of belonging in the church? 
Some people attend church as if it's one attachment to their life. Some people attend church as if it's one other item in the many items of what they do in life. No, no, no. You're supposed to be part of the church because you are the church. The church is your life. A brother said something to me. A brother in this church said something to me some, some months or I, can't, I think some months ago that I enjoyed so much. He said my life is church life. I don't have any other life outside the church. And he's not a full-time minister. He's a, he's a businessman. And I said, wow, this is the mentality Christ wants in his people. Hello. You see people in the court. If they, 2 a.m. meeting, they will be there. What are they going to be doing? And I tell you, there's no fellowship sweeter than the fellowship of the saints. None. None. I have lived with an uncle who was in the court. I have seen people who have charms. I, I, before I became a Christian, I concluded that Christianity was too clean. No pot. No river. No water from seven rivers. No sand from three villages. No rotten sacrifice bringing a maggot in your house. You kneel down by your bed and you lift your hand and you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, and heaven opens. a clap of praise if you want to do that <laughs> hallelujah to Jesus look at in our generation unbeliever artists are changing to gospel artists because there are no songs better than gospel songs no songs those of you that have grown to a level in the spirit know what I'm talking about when you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit it is clean it is pure. It is sweet. It is peaceful. But when you sense the presence of demons, it stinks. It's choking. It's dark. I have sensed both. I've seen angels. I've seen demons. I understand the difference. No basis for comparison. At all. No basis for comparison at all. Let's make the most of our fellowship. Glory to God. Fellowship is key to favor. That's number what? Twelve. Fellowship is key to increase in the church. So understand that when you are as regular in fellowship as it is possible for you by the grace of God, you are helping the church to increase. You didn't hear what I said. Let me say it again. Because we live in a generation, listen carefully. We live in a generation where people think that church growth is pastor's business. Pastor has to be powerful. Pastor has to show something. That's why many pastors who are desperate for that are going the other way. Church growth is every Christian's responsibility. Every one of us, me, you. The Bible says... He gave some prophets, some apostles, some teachers, some evangelists, some pastors for the perfecting.
strengthening of the saints for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry my primary assignment is not necessarily to jump into the streets winning souls I used to also do that because I'm a Christian and I did that a lot more when I was like you. But now my job is to teach you, equip you and you go out there and win the souls and you bring them in and I nourish them and preserve them for heaven. It's that mentality in the body of Christ that is turning pastors to some sort of showman. Yeah. Showman. Superstar, do something do something so that we can see and we can believe that you are a man of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is not so in scriptures. What Peter and the rest were busy doing was feeding the disciples that came to fellowship and the disciples took the word of God and changed their lives and addition was made. That is healthy church growth. When we maintain the kingdom culture, there will be healthy growth in church. Healthy growth. And healthy growth will lead to a situation where churches, is in, churches are increasing and iniquity is diminishing. Unhealthy growth is the situation on ground now where churches are increasing and iniquity is increasing correspondingly. Because the growth is not coming the way it's supposed to come. Do you know when you develop a growth where there's not supposed to be a growth in the body? It's an unhealthy thing. Uh, it's either a tumor or a cancer. May that never be your portion. May that never be your portion. May that never be your portion. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's go to number 13, right? Fellowship is key to the knowledge of Christ. The more you fellowship, the more you know the Lord. I have to try and see where I can stop now. Let me take this one and take one more. One or two with good. Philippians 3.10 Fellowship is key to knowing the Lord. And you need to know the Lord. Say amen. amen. You need to know the Lord. You need, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to know the Lord for yourself. You need to know the Lord for yourself. If there's any generation where having a personal knowledge of Christ is important, is this generation. Is this generation. It is this generation. Because the fake are more in number than the true ministers of God. That's the truth, painfully. The fake ministers, the false prophets are more in number than true prophets. I met a pastor. He told me that he met W.F. Kumuyi. And then he told him that, um, he told Kumuyi that, that God told him that 90% of preachers all over the world are fake. That only 10% is true. He said Kumuyi told him that if we have as much as 10% that is true, our situation is better. I met a pastor in the airport some time ago. I was traveling. And then, I don't know him, but he knows me. So he came to me. He introduced himself. I said, fine. He said, are you still running that your campaign? Campaign something. I said, campaign for integrity. He said, yes. I said, I said, yes, I'm still running. He said, please keep it up. I said, why do you say so? Have you been there? 
He said, yes, I've been there once. But why I said so is that I was taken somewhere else to another meeting. And they told me that all the pastors in Port Harcourt, who is who, is in it. So that day when they took me there, I was looking whether I would see you. He said, I thank God I didn't see you. Now, everybody is not fake. But majority are fake. You know why? Because not all men have the strength of character to wait and let God take them step by step. There is this thing making round in Nigeria and all over the world like the quicker you succeed, the more you have God. It's not true. And when a minister does not die to that, he could find himself starting as true but later become fake. Where are you going with all that, pastor? So deception is high and sophisticated. So if you don't have the knowledge of God for yourself, you could be susceptible to deception. And Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. You know what? It means it is men that will bring deception. Yes, but for you not to fall, you have to take heed. But how do you take heed if you don't have knowledge? You have to know God for yourself. Can I hear you say amen? And apart from willful deception, you have to know God for yourself because even those of us that are true can make honest mistakes. We don't know everything. There are times in conversation, me and mommy will be talking and then I quote a scripture and then sometimes you tell me, that scripture you used to quote, I checked it, that's not exactly how it was written. And I'll say, wow, we'll bring it out, we'll check it and she's right and I'm wrong. And I'm not ashamed because I'm not God who authored the Bible. I know some, I don't know some. The ones I know is the one they taught me. So you need to know for yourself because beside the fake, even among you, the originals don't know everything. Out of not knowing everything, we can make sincere mistakes. But if you know for yourself, you know that, okay, this one pastor said today, this is not how the Bible put it, it's a mistake. So, do you understand? It doesn't make you despise the pastor, but at least you don't fall into error. Let me tell you something. No man of God will lead me to hell. It doesn't matter how big he is. One of the reasons I am diligent to study the scripture is I, I told God one day, I say, Jesus died for me. And I am to account to Jesus for my life. So I won't be able to stand before God and say, God, it's not my fault, it's that pastor. So I have to know for myself. Mommy and I were in a meeting in Los Angeles. A big man of God, one of the biggest ministers in America was preaching. And he said something. 
and I looked at his son that brought us to the meeting because my friend I said what's that your father is saying he said delete 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 He said, ah, when Baba is preaching, you put one finger in the delete button. So when we closed from the meeting, he was driving us to the hotel. And we had a conversation about that matter. But the question is, what if I didn't know better? Because those who we delete are those who know. Those who don't know, how do you delete? You say it's a big man of God, so everything he's saying is true. Gullibility. But to be able to know the Lord, you have to, you have to immerse yourself in fellowship. Philippians 3.10, let's read. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable to his death. If you are going to know him, then you must partake in the fellowship of his suffering. Every time you miss fellowship, you miss a new knowledge. That's not good for anybody. Let me give you two more and close. Fellowship empowers us to walk in the light. First John chapter 1 verse 6. First epistle of John. Not the gospel of St. John. First epistle of John. Chapter 1 verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's part A. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. When you fellowship with God, it empowers you to walk in the light. You are able to walk better in the light when your fellowship with God is rich. Somebody say amen to that. Somebody say louder amen to that. If you want to walk in the light, let me hear your amen. To be able to walk in the light, you have to have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. So it's not about churches in the heart. If church is in the heart, how do you fellowship with one another in your heart? How, you, how, how will all of us assemble in your heart? How will you be hearing what I'm teaching now in your heart if you were in your house? That is why every opportunity... Now, understand me. I know that there are times it's not in your power to be in fellowship because you are a human being. You can't be everywhere at the same time. But the days you are deprived, it should concern you. It should bother you. And then thank God for technology that you can get messages. Are you getting what I'm saying? But don't say it is nothing to miss fellowship. It's a lot. Every fellowship, some light is added. Every fellowship, some empowerment to walk in the light is added. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Bible says if we say we walk in the light and have fellow, and we, we, if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. In other words, you cannot have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. It's a lie. It can't happen. But if you walk in the light, you have fellowship with him, you have fellowship one with another. The last for today and not the least. In fellowship, 
cleansing happens. As we are sitting down in church, the blood of Jesus is working. Whether we plead the blood or we don't plead the blood, we came to church with your heart and we're preaching, we're praying, we're praising, we're worshiping, we're giving offerings. The blood of Jesus is working. The blood of Jesus is working. That's why the Bible said the church of the firstborn is the, where there is the blood of the sprinkling. Every time we come to church, heaven is sprinkling the blood of Christ. Can I hear you say amen? So the sin that was in your life before you came is washed. Look at what verse 7 says. Give us verse 7. Let's do and stop there. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have what? Fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from how many? And you know, people, people that don't know God, they don't know about must I go to church for my sin to be? And uh, ignorant people among us, well, I didn't say you must go to church. It's only Jesus that it's only Jesus that cleanses sin, but he does it in the church. That does not mean that I cannot pray in my house and say, Lord, forgive me and you forgive me. But there's an automatic one that happens in fellowship. That the moment we are fellowshipping with one another in the presence of God, the blood is working. The blood is working. Everything you committed on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, as you came to this church this morning, the blood is working on it. The blood is cleansing you. Why? The scriptures say, as we have fellowship one with another, as we gather together. Why is this so? Stand on your feet. Let's close with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Put, please give me Hebrews 12, 24. People don't know what they miss in church. So any church member, any Christian who has missed church today will carry the sin till he comes for the next fellowship. What God bless you, Pastor B. What if something happens before then? And with those sins, apart from even dying and going to hell, Satan exploits sin in our lives to do us harm. If those sins are sins that are supposed to deprive him a blessing, it continues depriving him the blessing until he comes to fellowship. You say, Pastor, what if he prays and God forgive him? Oh, yes. But what if he doesn't even know about that sin? Because you can only pray about the one you know. You can only confess the one you know. So right now, as we close this service, you're going home a brand new person. Yeah. Everything that was done before this service is done, is, is done away with by the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? So you have a fresh slate. You have a fresh opportunity. You have a clean, a clean, a clean plate for God to bless you within the week. Except for those who live sin as a lifetime. So as soon as we close, they go and commit another one. And then wait till Tuesday. Or Thursday. Give me verse 23 first. So we can make a proper connection. I just want to use this scripture to explain the one we just read. 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. So you know he's talking about church. Which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all the earth. And to the spirits of just men. Made perfect. Verse 24 now. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. That when you come to church, you have come to the blood of sprinkling. When you come to church, you didn't just come to a certain building. Are you with me? That's why I always encourage believers, look beyond fine building and cozy environment. Church is far beyond that. He said you came to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, number one. Number two, you came to God, the judge of the whole earth. Number three, you came to where the spirit of just men is made perfect. You remember what we said before? That fellowship enhances blamelessness. Then you came to, the, to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. And you came to the place of the blood of sprinkling. And what does the blood of sprinkling do? Speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. Hello? Why Satan is trying to say, she lied yesterday. The blood will say, she's cleansed why the accuser of the brethren he's trying to say he lost it yesterday in the fellowship the blood of the sprinkling says he's washed <laughs> hey God he said this blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel you know what it means the blood of Jesus silences the accusation of your sin Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. Let us pray. I want to make some command, but let us just take one minute and pray about the matter of fellowship. Look at your neighbor before we pray. Say, neighbor, please don't joke with fellowship. Every opportunity to come to church is a heavy matter. Great things happen. Don't miss it. Lift your hand. Say, my father, in the name of Jesus once again I repent of every wrong attitude to fellowship Father empower me strengthen me give me grace to approach fellowship with the right attitude with the right mentality and let the blessings of the fellowship of your son be manifest in my life that I may see it and that everyone may see it in the name of Jesus. Shout a loud amen. Before I pray the next prayer, I want you to give God a clap and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I was praying over the night. I didn't have any revelation in the night. But I woke up and was praying. And I had this urge to pray what I call commanding deliverance. And I started praying that prayer for everybody I know. For you, for all our churches. 
And I just made up my mind that I'm going to pray the same prayer in church. Amen. Lift your hands. I pray and you receive. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible declares that the church is Mount Zion. Amen. And you promised in Obadiah chapter 1 verse, 9, verse 17. Upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. And there shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possession. Upon this Mount Zion today. I command deliverance. For everyone in this sanctuary. Everyone under the sound of my voice. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me. To proclaim liberty to the captives. On that unction I stand. And I declare. For everyone in this sanctuary. Receive deliverance from sickness. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from afflictions. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from every oppression. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from every captivity. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from every bondage. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from every imprisonment. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from every resistance of the devil. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from every obstacles of the enemy. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from poverty. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from lack. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from wants. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from pressure. Financial pressure. Material pressure. You are free in the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from frustration. Receive deliverance from failure. Receive deliverance from unsuccessfulness. Receive deliverance from retrogression. In the name of Jesus. I command deliverance. For, for you now. From stagnation be delivered. From backwardness. Be delivered. From retrogression. Be delivered. From limitations. Be delivered. And experience enlargement. Experience expansion. Experience progress. Experience advancement. In the mighty name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from nightmares. Receive deliverance from bad dreams. Receive deliverance from hunters. Haunting spirits. Haunting men and women. Receive deliverance in the name of Jesus. Everything haunting you in life. Everything chasing you in life. I command your deliverance today. In the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from negative habits. Sinful habits. Ungodly habits. Bad habits. Hell bound habits. 
I command your deliverance in the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from corruption. From every addiction that is not of God. I command your deliverance in the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from deception. From carnal, fleshly, worldly, or satanic fascination. I command your deliverance in the name of Jesus. Receive deliverance from weakness. Receive deliverance from discouragement. Receive deliverance from slothfulness. Receive deliverance from foolishness. In the mighty name of Jesus. Every foolish decision you have ever made. And they brought consequences. I command your deliverance from the consequences. In the mighty name of Jesus. I command deliverance. For you. From devourers. From caterpillars. From canker worms. From palmer worms. I command deliverance for you. From every enemy of your progress. I command deliverance for you. From every forces that are trying to get you stranded in life. I command deliverance for you. From every forces that are trying to get you grounded in life. You are delivered in the name of Jesus. I command deliverance from sadness. From sorrows. From pains. From troubles. From crisis. Be free in the name of Jesus. Deliverance from uncertainties. Hanging destinies. Be free in the name of Jesus. Deliverance from prayerlessness. Deliverance from backsliding states. In the name of Jesus you are delivered. Be revived in the name of Jesus. Be restored in the name of Jesus. Be renewed in the name of Jesus. Be re-empowered in the name of Jesus. Be revigorated in the name of Jesus. Father, I cancel and I put out of existence every conspiracy for fire accident, fire outbreak. I cancel it in the name of Jesus. Every conspiracy of the devil, of evil women and men, to pin a pregnancy on anybody that is fake. I put it out in the name of Jesus. I pronounce deliverance in the name of Jesus. I pronounce deliverance in the name of Jesus. I pronounce deliverance in the name of Jesus. And I pronounce deliverance from immoral relationships that could lead to such situations. Be delivered in the name of Jesus. I pronounce deliverance from tight corners. Tight corners, tight corners, tight corners. Be delivered from every tight corner. Amen. Financial tight corner. Amen. Spiritual tight corner. Amen. Accommodation related tight corner. Amen. Job related tight corner. Amen. Business related tight corner. Be free. Be free. Be free. Be free. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I command deliverance from wrong relationships. Amen. From relationships that were never ordained of God. I command deliverance from marital tight corners. Be free in the name of Jesus. 
because upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possession. I command deliverance from lust of destinies. I command deliverance from straying away from your destiny. Be free in the name of Jesus. And fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus. I command deliverance from shame. I command deliverance from dishonor. I command deliverance from disrepute. I command deliverance from every mess. Anyone in any kind of mess. You are delivered from that mess. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You are free from shame. You are free from shame. I release a garment of glory upon your life. Yes, that person that is bent on undoing you shall destroy himself. Those group of people that are bent on frustrating you, let the frustration return to them. And be free from their conspiracy. Be free from their conspiracy. Be free from their conspiracy. In the name of Jesus. I command deliverance from spiritual concubines. I command deliverance from succumbus spirits. I command deliverance from incumbus spirits. I command deliverance from spiritual husbands. I command deliverance from spiritual wives. Be free in the name of Jesus. Amen. I command deliverance from spiritual poisoning. Poisons touched. Poisons matched. Poisons injected through food in the dream. Poisons, matters of hard luck, ill favor, poverty, sickness, injected into anyone's life and destiny through sexual intercourse in the dream. I declare now you are free in the name of Jesus. As it is written for those that believe in Jesus Christ. They shall pick up serpents and they shall not hurt them. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Whatever belongs to the devil that has touched you, I destroy its power to hurt you. According to the word of the Lord, it shall not hurt you. Whatever deadly thing you have eaten, Whatever deadly thing you have drunken, I neutralize them by the blood of Jesus. I flush them out of your spiritual system. I flush them out of your mental system. I flush them out of the system of your soul. I flush them out of the system of your body. I neutralize them in the name of Jesus. I command deliverance for you. Shadabos. 
Mayekete Santolia, Ebra Katakuma, every effect of charms, of divinations, of enchantments, of witchcraft and bewitchment, of sorceries, of poison, every effect of spells, every effect of ancestral spirits, libations, water spirits, arrows from witchcraft, COVID, against your life, against your soul, against your spirit, against your mind, against your heart, against your body, against your marriage, against your family, against your finance, against your business, against your career, your job, your faith, your education. In every day with Jesus Christ at Lord of Hosts, lives are transformed in every way. Sorrow is turned into laughter. The saints are renewed every day. The sick are healed. The captives are set free. The troubled and the afflicted become triumphant and testifies. At Lord of Hosts International Churches, Eliopramwa Road, off Wimpy Junction, Mile 4, Rumebri, Comport, Harcourt, we preach holiness without compromise. Through the inspiring, prophetic and expository teachings of Pastor Henry, bringing you in close understanding to appreciate life in Christ Jesus.